Hi, Colleen. Uh, thank you for having us in this in the, today for the interview. I want to first get your authorization to record this conversation. Absolutely, of course. All right. Thank you. So you were the project manager of the Kenmore Better Block that yes. happened last year, correct? Yes. Uh, Labor Day last September of uh, 2017. Okay. So the first question that I have for you is, how was this problem presented to you? How, so the Kenmore Better Block, um, we've done a lot of work in the Akron area. Um, and uh, Kenmore was one of the original sites. I know you've done a little bit of research into the North Hill Better Block. Mm -hmm. So when we first, when we first uh, look into doing a project, we do a site survey and we look at a few different po uh, possible areas. When they were first doing the North Hill Better Block, they listed out four potential areas within the Akron area and the city of Akron to um, work through work in they ended up deciding on the North Hill better block because uh, North Hill area because at the time that was the best but Kenmore was second on that list mm -hmm. so then the Knight Foundation saw that uh, we listed Kenmore they saw that this was like a good time to do this project in Kenmore and so that's kind of how we uh, ended up working in this neighborhood um, and so we were connected with Tina Boys who works with, uh, worked with the Akron Community Foundation. Um, she has since left and has started doing more community advocacy specifically to Kenmore, and she was our block captain, and she was the one who really took the project and ran with it. What was the issue that, uh, why you guys were gonna solve there? Why were you guys called In to Kenmore? So, Kenmore used to be, like, you can even see from this picture here, like, it's a pretty, like, dense area. There's, like, that classic Main Street form of buildings built to, like, the lot lines, um, the only thing was that as Akron has been like disinvested in and it's like changing, um, people have moved out of the area and a lot of these buildings were left vacant. They also used to have a streetcar that ran through the middle of the street here that they've since removed and turned it into um, a, like a thoroughfare. So the Kenmore Boulevard went from being this kind of main street where people would go and congregate to just a thoroughfare connecting neighborhoods to downtown Akron. And so there was uh, a lane of parking uh, and then two, I believe, 13 or 14 foot lanes, a median, two more 13, 14 foot lanes, and then another lane of parking. And so people would just fly through the area and not actually stop. And so the, a lot of the local businesses there were really like seeing like people don't just walk up and down Kenmore. And then because of the lack of public life in the area, you start getting more and more issues of perception of safety, um, like lack of economic development, um, that all really stems back to the lack of public life and the street being used as a thoroughfare rather than like an economic or like center of the neighborhood. So that was kind of what we were trying to solve. Mm -hmm. What did you do to understand these roots that you're telling me? The root a, of the issue? a lot of interviews. Um, we do a lot of interviews with like, like Tina was um, really great in explaining like the history of the neighborhood. We did a kickoff trip where Jason went and did his keynote to a lot of the, uh, um, to a theater, actually right, this theater right here at the Rialto, um, and we invited out all of the community members, and they, um, and Jason did his like TED talk, and then afterwards we just kind of stuck around and started talking to people, said like, what are the issues in this, like in your neighborhood, what do you think, would, like, what do you think would fix it? And we also did a lot of stakeholder meetings with, um, there's, uh, there's a comic book store in the shops uh, on, the, on the street, so we met with like the uh, owner of that, we met with the owner of the theater, some of the other like local business owners and said like, what's going on on the block? Why isn't it working? What are the issues here? Because they're the ones, they're there eight, 10 hours a day. 
they see the block every single day and they know exactly what's going on. And then we've also talked to some long-term residents as well. And then some planning officials who are familiar with the area as well. But mostly through interviews and talking to like community members um, was how we address like, and identified the issues. And once you have all of these, uh, you understood the roots of the issue, not just what, why they called you there, but you understood mm -hmm. these roots of the issue. How did you design the, this prototyping phase? So that was actually kind of a collaborative effort. One of the best uh, examples of that was the bike lane design. So we knew we wanted to close the uh, we wanted to close the road or, or address the road. And um, how to do that was kind of like up for debate. We knew we wanted to do some kind of bicycle infrastructure. The uh, city has some long term plans to increase cycling in the in the neighborhood. Um, there's some trails that are not too far away that are popular for people to cycle on. So um, we wanted to do bike lanes along the block. And so we actually, with our, we had this core team of people who were working on the better block. It was consisted of me, Tina Boys, longtime resident, uh, Todd Edder, um, who was a uh, property owner. He owned like four or five different buildings on the block and a community resident, a couple of the business owners. Um, and then we also had input from Dylan Garitano and Jason Segedy, who are uh, Akron city planners as well. So for the bike lanes, what we did was we drafted a couple different iterations. So like this is the existing, this picture's a little small. And then the plan A would to be extend the sidewalk biking on the inside of the parking lane, then one lane of traffic median. Um, so you can see, let me go back, you can see that there's, this is parking. So the idea, first idea was to put the bike lane in the, inside the parking lane. We realized these bump outs would be a little bit of an issue. So what we decided to do eventually was this plan D, but we talked through these other plans as well where we just left the parking bike and then vehicle, uh, but that posed a problem because we didn't really want cars crossing bike lanes. We wanted to isolate the biking as much as we could. And then the other one was the trolley plane where you put the bike lane in the middle of the street um, and close down the uh, the middle lane. But we didn't like that idea because we don't want the cyclists in the middle of the street. We want to have um, like the pedestrian cyclists to cars and that allows more connectivity between the cyclists, pedestrians, and the uh, economics. Um, businesses. So what we ended up doing was extending the sidewalk here out eight feet, making the old parking spaces into a sidewalk area, putting a bike lane and then restriping all of the parking and then having the, uh, the drive lane. So that was a process where we went through a couple different iterations and based on input from the community, um, okay. input from the city, and then our designs, we kind of presented, said like, okay, these are our four options. What do you think the best would be? And then the city was said, if we were going to do bike lanes, plan D was what we would most likely do. So we're like, well, let's do okay. that one. And that um, kind of see what that would look like. Okay. And how did you plan to test if this was going to work? How did we plan to test it? Well, during the Better Block event was when we would actually bring other community out and build this idea and then um, take data and kind of like a lot do a lot of like interviews with people saying what do you think of this like bike lane design um, so everything with testing it everything we do is experiential and where we actually go build it and so people can experience and say like hey, yes I don't like this yes I do like this okay um, I have another question but I think that's going to connect with me mm -hmm. like a little later um, how did having the opportunity to test this project 
affected your decisions during the design phase, as opposed to say building, having a nice drawing, mm -hmm. maybe like a three D rendering, right? Getting people, getting their feedback, and deciding this is what should be permanent. Right. How did having the opportunity to test to do this prototype mm -hmm. affected your decisions in the design phase? Because you were so, building something temporary. Right. So that's kind of one of the main ethos of the better block that we like to tell people is when you're doing a temporary prototype, it allows you to um, go a little bit crazier, go for those bigger ideas that may not necessarily be the most like um, attainable. So that's the other thing is we don't know that all of our designs are going to work. So we want to test them and see and see if they do. If they don't work, sorry, it's temporary. We know not to go down this road permanently, but we might as well test it and see. So that was definitely a concern of a lot of like the business owners. Like when we said we're going to add bike lanes and close down a lane of traffic, everybody freaked out. But knowing that it's temporary, it definitely gives you the opportunity to test some of those more drastic street changes and those more drastic ideas. And so that's why we ended up choosing this plan D because that would make the biggest impact on the street. And so we wanted to see how, um, knowing that it's temporary, knowing that we're actually gonna build it, we tried to be a little bit more like pie in the sky um, with, when it comes to our designs for each of the interventions. Okay, interesting. Um, what features in this particular project did you include knowing that it was going to be prototype that you otherwise wouldn't have included if this was a permanent project? So we did, so we can see we did these crosswalks and these uh, pedestrian islands. Those were kind of an afterthought. We really didn't um, think uh, in our original design, we didn't really think of how, like doing that. Um, we got out there during the build week, we had a little bit of extra time, some extra resources and we're like, you know, let's see, let's put some uh, sidewalks and bump outs and uh, production islands there and see if that works. Um, and it ended up being really successful. People really liked it and it definitely slowed down traffic going through that intersection. So that's one instance where we were like, knowing that we could do a prototype, we can just kind of like on a whim say, hey, this is an issue. I know we didn't plan for this, but we have the flexibility within our project because it's temporary um, that we can kind of like do these last minute things as well. And while you were designing it before you got to the site and mm -hmm. start and start building it, what other decisions that you made about the design, what, what part of the design were, again, were to be tested? Right. You know, what part did you put there, you wouldn't have put there be, if you knew this was going to be permanent. Right. Um, but when you were designing it, not when you were... What we wouldn't have put there if we knew it was going to be permanent. Well, I mean, we try to do... Or what, what would you have made a little different? If we knew it was going to be yeah. permanent. Um, so knowing if we knew it was going to be permanent, we, it, the process of doing a permanence rather than a temporary design is a little different in that like, when something is permanent, there's a little bit more like hesitation um, so I don't think our bike lane design would have been as drastic or as uh, like effective had we just gone in and said, this is the design you need to make permanent. I think going through the step of prototyping to then, okay, yes, this works to permanency allowed us to make this specific design. Um, we also did, um, we had some trouble with a property owner who we did a beer garden in this ivy covered lot. Um, and the property owner did not necessarily want 
another business in, or that lot to be used for anything. So there was kind of this struggle. We ended up convincing him saying, look, this is just going to be a permanent or a temporary pop-up beer garden. And so if it works for a weekend, then maybe that's like something we can consider going forward, but it's not, it's just going to be for two days. And because it was just for two days, he was, he was, okay, eventually convinced that he was on board with it. And then ended up being one of the most successful, um, uh, like interventions that we did. It was, so this is the lot and this is the property owner who was kind of worried about it. So we ended up building a deck and we had, uh, we brought our local brewery. They set up a stand back there. We strung it with lights and we did a little bit of like a, a cafe seating fencing area because of the uh, alcohol laws. And that ended up being one of the, like the anchors of the whole strip and people kind of like go from there, go get food, come back. You could stand there and watch music on the other side of the street. So that ended up being a really like lively area. And if that had been, if we had tried to gone in and just say, we're building a beer garden there, it would not have worked at all. They would have shut it down. At, but because it, we, it was temporary, we were able to get that through. Okay. Uh, you mentioned that at least three 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 design features that were very successful actually that mm -hmm. you tried out that you mm -hmm. wouldn't have. Why did you include those features in the design? What was your reasoning to put those there? So that was, um, we, we saw the lot, the for the beer garden at least, we saw the lot and we just like, as soon as we saw it, we're like, this would be perfect here. Um, we definitely needed something to bring people out on the street. Um, for the beer garden, we needed to give a lot of the activity on the block would be in the stores or in like a restaurant or whatever. Um, so we needed some kind of activity that people could do outside while still being on the street. And so we found that this space was perfect for it. Um, and so that's why we were really kind of put our foot down and said like, let us do this. Um, why did you need people in the street? Because with the whole, there was concerns about safety, uh, perception of safety on the block. Um, when you have more people on the street, eyes on the street, like the Jane Jacobs um, kind of ideology that we wanted to bring more people out on the street, it makes it feel safer, it makes the whole area feel more lively. Um, we had this building right here um, is actually uh, turning into a clothing store. At the time of the Better Block, it wasn't open yet, um, but I think it is now. And we talked to the property owner, or like the business owner, he did a small like pop-up version of his store. And we were talking to him during the Better Block and he was like, I've lived in Kenmore for 15 years and I've never seen people just walk up and down the block just to see what there is. And I kind of attribute that to the fact that we were able to bring a lot of activity onto the street. What about the bike lane? Why, why did you put it the way you put it? So the bike lane was, um, the main reason we wanted to do a bike lane was to address traffic flows. Um, the bike lane was really a tool for us to make the street smaller and while also incentivizing cycling. Um, it didn't necessarily have to be a bike lane. We really used that to, um, to make the street smaller and go from a two lane to a one lane. Um, but having cycle, they also wanted cycling to be like eventually kind of make this in this area into kind of like a cycling corridor. So mm -hmm. we were able to find a partner with um, Summit Cycle. They brought out some bike shares um, and set up a station over here. We did some bike racks. Um, and so having the bike lanes there was one, slow down traffic, close the street a little bit. 
um, and then also kind of incentivize other forms of transportation that people wouldn't really use otherwise. We also saw during our spec trip that people would cycle on the sidewalks mm-hmm. um, on their on their bikes um, if they were cycling. There weren't many, but the people who were were mostly on the sidewalks. So we wanted to make sure to get cyclists off the sidewalks into the street and making them feel as safe as possible. Nice. Uh, going into the design uh, things, what characteristics did you want to test during the prototyping phase for the different solutions? For example, these bike lanes. What were you testing from the bike lanes? Um, well, the main thing we wanted to test with the bike lanes was how the street would be um, perceived and how functional it would be going from two lanes and parking to one lane and parking. Mm-hmm. That was a major concern by a lot of the business owners, um, the city officials, and that's something that we address on a lot of projects. When, when we say we're going to make a street smaller, everybody immediately says, how are fire trucks going to get through? How are emergency vehicles going to get through? It's going to create a ton of traffic. Like, um, but it didn't. Like we, during the uh, during the event, we had multiple fire trucks get through. They were like with sirens on. Like they were, it was totally fine. Um, traffic did slow down, but not to the point where it was unbearable for drivers. Um, it really slowed down because people were just fascinated about like looking out the window saying like what's going on here I want to stop and see um, and we did take data um, on how like traffic uh, traffic speeds fluctuated throughout the uh, okay. event and so that was really one of the things that we wanted to see was how the street would function smaller mm-hmm. especially because this street is overbuilt for the area okay how about for the bikers for the cyclists um, we definitely wanted to test. So these are uh, uh, like bike lanes that you would kind of find in Copenhagen. A lot of times in the United States, when you see side bike lanes, um, they are either just like white lines, like in the middle of the road with traffic. Like you're not necessarily physically protected um, from traffic, or sometimes it's even just shadows or something like that. So we wanted to introduce these, like walk quality well-built like perfect bike lanes to the area and said bike lanes don't bike lanes don't have to be like dangerous or like this is how safe biking can be Um, Uh, you already mentioned about the the beer garden what you were mm -hmm. testing there let me what other design what other things you put there um on the block we actually can probably talk about this a little bit but the uh, we talked about partnering with Akron Metro to address two of their bus stops mm-hmm. here and here. Um, one of the things they wanted to do was formalize their bus stops. Um, yeah, so one of the things with Akron Metro was um, they knew that some of their bus stops on, they had three on this block, and they said, you know, one of them works well, the other two, we don't think they're in the right place. But with officials organizations, a lot of times they're like, it takes so much to like move them especially if people were worried about it. They said, how can we use this as a process to say, let's go ahead and move them just for like the weekend, see where it works and if it's better. And if um, our bus drivers are like, yeah, this works good. And the, the clients are like, yeah, this works good. Then we can take it back to our board and say, let's make these changes. They also really, frankly, they said, you know, they're looking at some of the pictures from um, North, like North Hill. 
and they said, oh my god, and we, we looked at the before, and we're like, oh yeah, and then we looked at the after, like, oh yeah, it looks really good, and then we looked at our bus stop, and we're like, oh, our bus stop doesn't look good at all. <laughs> so I think they really understand the fact that, you know, a bus stop can be more than just, you know, a little pole that goes up. So we work with them about um, creating some different locations, um, creating, you know, moving them temporarily, and then, you know, putting in actual bus stop seating and, and, and shade, and then some... Um, they brought in some some planners, just you know, some stuff to spruce it up to where it looks like again, it's that creative you know, public transit works when it's easy and it's nice and people like using it. So it was a it was a pretty bus stop. People like waiting there. So And we also did the street painting to say this is kind of like the block, this is a place where the bus would have to cross the bike lane. Um, just because of the way the curbs are built and the streets built, it was going to be inevitable. So that's why we wanted to make this is like this is the bus stop. This is where you're going to be. This is where the bus is going to stop, um, and make it as clear as possible that this is a bus mm -hmm. stop. That you're going to get yeah. The, bus yeah, is there. the, the bike bikes are there as well. Buses are going to be there as well, and then make it as clearly marked for like for everybody. Because sometimes you're walking, you don't even realize you're standing at a bus stop because it's just a sign. So making it as obvious as you can. Mm -hmm. Um, what about the pop-up businesses? What did you want to test with the businesses that you had there? So the pop-up businesses, one of the most successful ones we had was um, the... See. Uh, we did a pop-up coffee shop. Um, so we did pop-up beer garden. Um, and we partnered with a local... Like, uh, the local brewery, as I said, they um, they brought out a few kegs and some of their local beers for everybody to have, and so that was kind of like a pop up business, and that this may be something that could be permanent. Um, just kind of one of the big asks was um, kind of a diversity of businesses on the block. We there's a there's a few retail places. Um, there's like like a furniture store. There was a insurance place or a tax place um, and maybe a photography studio or something like that so there weren't very many like public facing businesses that you would just like walk down the block and say that place looks cool let me walk in um, so we tried to pop up some of those we did um, in this empty building on the corner here we did a uh, pop-up coffee shop that had been playing with the idea of making a spot on Kenmore and so we said okay well you guys are in the works of your business plan, well, why don't you like set up a, a mini version or a temporary version of that and just see like, so what they did was they even took like little surveys of all their customers saying like, what would you like to see if we made ourselves, if we like opened this business permanently and things like that. So it allowed them to gauge their market, um, kind yes. of like get some FaceTime with uh, potential customers and then also get their name out there a little bit as well. So by doing the pop-up businesses, we kind of like, gave a little bit of free advertising, helped them implement some of their ideas, and then we also were able to connect them with the uh, property manager or the property owner to say, this is a potential space. Here you guys can kind of like hash out some details if you wanted to, either whether here or one of his other buildings. Nice. So. Um, so what were the greatest benefits and pitfalls of the solution that you put out there of your better block um, be because you had a because in the design process, you had this opportunity to test it, to prototype it. What, what, are, what are the the greatest benefits that you got because I you think, prototyped it? I think one of the biggest benefits is, you know, you, you looked at the street, and it's four lanes, um, and 
with a little bit of parking on the side and, and this idea that you know people were always concerned and, and before you get out there cars are flying over that road flying over the hill and you know you had accidents and you had stuff going on at the same time you had you know people saying well we got trucks coming through and fire trucks and we got buses and everything and we said well we can we can we can show how if you put this on a road diet you can still have those cars going through they're just going to go slower um, and I think this tested that idea out and I think it did a really good job of, of showcasing how if you have this much right away this is much for cars and this much is for pedestrians and bikes and just people and lively stuff um, how great it, it, it really showed and just an energy as opposed to just cars flying down the road and I think you know we had the um, you know it, in, in Ken Moore the high school football team was playing an away game so they their buses went right down Kenmore Avenue and you know you had you know a few hundred people there on the streets cheering them on so it's like this old school mentality whereas if you didn't have those bike lanes and the extended sidewalk you, you couldn't cheer them on because you would have felt dangerous because the bus is going at 45 but the bus is going 20 and the kids are hanging out the window you know everybody's high-fiving each other and you're like this is really great this feels like a community um, as opposed to just this big thoroughfare that went through the middle of the city yeah so and that's with cool. everything working together with the extended sidewalks the bike lanes all of the programming that we did the beer garden kind of gave people to be a reason to be on the block again and it brought people out and everybody's kind of like reminded of what it was like when Kenmore was really successful like all of like the longer term residents like I haven't walked up this like block in 20 years or whatever and like <laughs> yeah and so now they kind of like bringing back that idea and I feel like a lot of people had lost hope in this neighborhood saying like ah Kenmore it's it's Kenmore what are you gonna do like it's dangerous it's cars go fast there's no businesses there but this is kind of this whole event kind of reminded them like wait a minute we can make this better ourselves we don't have to like wait for a, ma a city master plan we don't have to wait for like a huge like investment or anything to come in we can do a bunch of little things ourselves to make this uh, this stretch successful. Did again. something didn't work that you put there from your the design features? Did something, Did something didn't work as you were expecting it work. to work? Maybe it worked, but not as you were expecting it. Temporary paint wash in a way. That was probably <laughs> 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 um, we got a little bit of rain, but you can't control the weather. Um, I think when we were going through the original design, right here there was a parking lot um, in front of the library that we were hoping to activate a little bit more. Um, we weren't, so we talked about doing like, there's a like, kind of the indoor skate park and we were like maybe doing a pop-up like in outdoor skate park or something in this parking lot. Um, and so we did a little bit, but it just wasn't like as active as we had hoped it would be. Um, the, we found that the nodes of the block once we did everything were kind of the up here, uh, the beer garden at the, at the far end, which is right across the street from the music, there were some food trucks that were right here. Um, and then, yeah, so like this area ended up being a node and then the other area right here ended up being a mm -hmm. node. So between those two spots were really the most lively and as we spread further and further away from that, you could definitely feel the energy dropping off. And that's, not, that's something that we didn't really expect going into, um, going into the design. Um, the, so the that parking lot uh, pop up wasn't as successful as we had hoped. And I think, and I, and I don't want to say this is something that we like when we tested it out. It's something that was really unique that we found was. Like, so 
you know, uh, we ended up having musicians busk out in front of here. And so the really weird thing, not weird, but the unique thing was is you had really a lot of people here on the sidewalk and it spilled over into the space that we had made for, you know, for an extended sidewalk, which is what we wanted. But it was so many people were on the street and it's like, it's, it's a good thing, but so many people were on the street that the bike lane ended up being used as more where people walked through, you know, like along this area. And then this is where you'd have a clump of people and you'd have a clump of people here and you'd have a clump of people over here. And so it was so successful that the bike lane, yeah, yeah, like that people would wander into the bike lane. So, and and again, that's not a a bad thing. It was just like a, you know, a, you know, you test it out and you're like, okay, this is, this is more successful than we thought it would be. But because that aspect was more successful, it bled over to something else. So and I think there's something else less yeah, successful. So. Um, yeah, I think we definitely found what the uh, hot spots were along the block. And if we had known what that had been like, or like if we had some idea of what that was going to be like beforehand, we probably could have adjusted the design a little bit to accommodate for those um, issues. But, but very difficult to know without exactly, testing. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So, and that's part of the reason, so like if we know, like if there's going to be like live music on the block right here, just make sure that you have enough seating in that like <laughs> yeah, sidewalk yeah. for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's the step that's like, it's, you know, uh, um, a symptom of your own success. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which is always good. Um, but it, so when you're, nice. when you're designing this, uh, what do you think are the, the pros of having the opportunity to test? You already answered, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, but maybe like if you can just say like two or three or four things that like this, this and this, but also what are the, the, the pitfalls of having prototyping in as part of the design when you're designing? I think uh, the biggest pitfall is you do this and it works really great and then it's gone on Sunday. Like people loved it so much when it works and people love it so much, they want to fight for it, but in the end, it's not a permanent, you know, it showcases what could be permanent, but it's not permanent. So I think the biggest pitfall in prototyping is just, um, it gives so much energy to people. And again, it's one of the great things. It gives so much energy for people to fight for those new things, but it is only temporary. So I think that's, yeah, that's true. When we were uh, when we were taking it down, like the next day people were walking by, like, oh, we don't want you guys to take it down. Like, yeah. We don't want to take it down either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, like, want to leave it up, but this is the city will say no. You can't do exactly. That. So, and so. that's kind of like a sad reminder of like. And then the next day, like as we were leaving, we drove through Kenmore, and everything was gone. It was back to what it was before. So it was kind of this like two day like reminder of like look how amazing it is, and then it just goes back to like what it was before. And it's um, and the idea with prototyping is hopefully that people loved it so much that they're willing to fight for it in the future because remember these these changes have to come from a city level yeah. um, they have to come from the government they can't necessarily you can't just go out and do it um, but I think it's, it's, it's so part of the, the, permanent. the bad part about prototyping but it's also the great part as in you know it doesn't take a huge amount of money it doesn't take a you know it just takes effort and, and people wanting to do it and when they go out and they, they see that it works and they can show that to the city that it works yeah yeah, and that was the mo- one of the more important things of this report um, afterwards to give this to them, give them a video, give them all these pictures so they can go to the city and pester them and say, like, look, look how successful this was. Make this permanent. Like, we, we saw you, council member, out there really enjoying yourself in the beer garden. You love this. Fight for this. Like. That was my next question. I was going to ask you, so what happens after you, you finish the Sunday, you clean it up, take it out of there? 
what what do you guys do afterwards? So either at the side or back here or mm-hmm. or that when the project ends or so we do um we we do this report and we do some like some data analytics and things like that. Um in Kenmore, uh Tina was incredible, has become this huge like neighborhood activist. Um and she has formed her own CDC um, for the area, so we've kind of uh, advised her on that a little bit and um, given her some resources to uh, to kind of like what these steps to follow. But when it's really left into like the community's hands afterwards, um, we'll assist uh, like if they need us, um, if they have any questions, like Tina had some questions on like starting a CDC, we gave her some direction. Um, but what is the CDC? Community, community Development Corporation. Okay. It's a okay. Nonprofit organization that works, uh, uh, kind of like a, a mini city within a community to say we're gonna, you know, we have money somehow to build a bike lane or to make facade improvements or for housing or okay. so on and so forth. Um, Do they get like uh, governmental money? They can. So sometimes, oh, grants. Yes, okay. sometimes the city will give a CDC and say, we will give you a $100,000 grant to do it. Uh, the CDC that started up in Kenmore um, got a lot of money from a foundation. Uh, yeah. to the, uh, the Knight Foundation, right? The, uh, the same foundation that funded mm-hmm. the overall project um, will help support her CDC afterwards to help make these changes more, uh, more permanent. And I think the, the biggest benefit that especially in, in our projects is um, you kind of empower those individuals to, you know, yeah. it's building the capacity of people to say, look, if you want to go, you know, you, you can go do this, you know, you don't need, you know, we are going to help you and give you the tools to go do this. But in the end, people knew that Tina was responsible for this and that mm-hmm. Tina had done this. Uh, and the other one, the Otomo one, like, we had people who popped up like a bagel shop. And he was just, he, he was a guy who worked as a, a dietitian in a nursing home, but he really liked making bagels. And so, over the weekend we had bagels and it's so popular that now we opened up his own store mm-hmm. like and, and that's like the hey you like bagels yeah go ahead look no no risk you know spend a few hundred dollars on on ingredients make some bagels and you know what if the customers came out and they did and they loved them and they said why don't you open up your own store he said oh okay i guess i need to go open my own store <laughs> so i, I mean it, it's really that empowerment of individuals to take their ideas from with them and then give them the confidence yeah afterwards to say I'm going to go do more of this I, I love this you know I can, I can tackle whatever from what I've seen there are a lot of uh, things like what you just mentioned that become permanent but mm-hmm. a lot of those things that come from the community right. have you guys seen any changes that come from cities like in any of your projects are any of those becoming permanent or mm-hmm. have you feel that there's any push in like changing legislation codes so the the one in Atoma we did that in uh, October and um, in February they passed a bond issue, a bond package to fund a lot of the infrastructure improvements we tested. So we put bike lanes on the street and planters on the street, um, and then uh, as a partly as a result of that they said, yeah, our citizens love this. How much is it going to cost? And they said, okay, well let's pass the bond package and fund those. Mm-hmm. So what is that one? Uh, that one is in Iowa. Atomo, Iowa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. You do see that in Charlotte, they have plans to, we did this whole crazy like five point intersection with these bike lanes and ducks, mm-hmm. Dutch bikes boxes and all these things. And we tested that out and, and it worked. No one, no accidents and people were happy. So uh, they're moving forward with that plan. So yeah, 
I think that, that was one was a little bit different in that they had kind of an idea of what they wanted the intersection to be like, and so we probably did a test version for them. Mm -hmm. um, that, in that case, you you were like the prototype designers, not the designers of the project, kind of. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, what else? At Barberton, um, even even before the project, they we were addressing their second street. Um, in Barberton, they had which is outside of Akron. There's like kind of like these two streets. It's a, it's a, around this like lake, and the one street called like Tuscarawas was really successful. It had your bump outs. It had benches. It had like string lights across the street. They had restaurants. It was like every everybody goes there in Barberton. Literally two blocks away, there's Second Street. It's like the same buildings, like uh, same type of street for the most part, right in the same area, but just not successful at all. So one of the big things they brought us in was saying, okay, how can we make second more like Tusk and work on a whole district? So we did something like that. And so when we went in and we said, okay, these are some of the like, things we're gonna make, like do. Uh, we wanna like, and the city was like, well, we wanna invest in the street. Since you're gonna do this, we'll go ahead and repave the street and get rid of like some of the potholes and things like that. So even before the project, just creating that energy around the area kind of incentivized the city and gave them a little bit of a kick to say, like, okay, let's go ahead and start investing in this area. Nice. Yeah. And I think as a overall, I mean, I was in grad school when Jason did the first Better Block in like a 10, 2010, 2011, uh, and for planning and even seeing the progression of these types of projects from then until now, I think you've, you've seen cities and, and counties and MPOs start to take it and say, we, this is a community engagement. We, we created renderings that are, people you know put stickers up and they said, oh, these are fine, and then we went out and did it, and people got really freaked out when we made these major changes. So seeing some of the temporary changes, I think they've begun to see the, the benefit of those, so, uh, yeah. Oh, cool, well, thank you very much for, yeah. for the time for the interview. I'm gonna stop it and save it. It would be really bad. <laughs> it gets deleted for pushing the wrong